right, CA, let's sing like this. We waited for this day. We've gathered in your name, calling out to you. Come on, your glory. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with you. You're the reason, say. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Come on, let's sing this chorus out. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Filling every part of our prayer. Let's sing your presence in this place. Your presence. Your glory on our face, we're looking to the sky. Yes, Lord. Oh, descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now. Lord, unveil us. Come on, sing, you're the reason. Yeah, you're the reason we're here. You are, Lord. You're the reason we're singing. Come on, open up. Hey, open up the heavens. We want
and he's never letting. Come on, let's sing highest praise. Oh, highest praise. For you
Wow, so good to worship with each and every one of you. My name is Marvin, um, and you guys, you guys sound really good tonight. I just, just love worshiping with you. love the energy that you bring to worship, especially on this day. So thank you for coming, for being here. Um, especially love to welcome anybody that's here for the very first time. You're just passing through. You get to experience worship with us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being a part of this time. Uh, we would love to get to know you. And um, we can follow up with you if you give us some information. So there's a connection card that's in the seat back in front of you. You can grab that connection card, fill that out. And then someone will call you this week. We want to say hello. We want to hear your story. We want to pray for you and just get to know you a little bit. You can also stop by the New People's Table. That is out in the lobby. And there's a free gift for you out there this evening just as a way of saying thank you for being with us. As always, we want to welcome those of you joining us online. Thank you so much for joining us. We love that you are with us. Uh, there's people waving at me. You're not waving at me, but people are waving at me. So thank you so much for joining us online. We love you. Uh, anyway, got some great announcements for you. Uh, all this information is in your bulletin. It's on their app, on our website. So please feel free to check out those resources. But we are looking for folks who might want to join the CA Choir. And based on the way you all sang tonight, you all qualify. So Jacob, I think they're good. Uh, so let's all join the CA Choir. Uh, the choir is going to be happening uh, Thanksgiving time, uh, November 19th and 20th for our weekend services that weekend. So we'd love for you to come on out and be a part of that. Uh, information uh, on how to join the CA Choir is uh, email address on the screens. So there it is, choir at cachurch.com. You can email that email address, let them know that you're interested, and they'll give you more information as to how to join. We are hosting a pajama drive for Hope Gardens. Hope Gardens uh, is a shelter in the Silmar area that hosts uh, women and children experiencing homelessness. And so we want to bless them around the holiday time with pajamas. And so we're going to be doing a collection drive for that. You can sign up to donate pajamas and uh, choose a size to donate. Uh, do that on our website. But the drop-off times will be November 30th at our main offices, which is right across the street from this building, and December 7th here for our women's gathering here or across the street, wherever that might be happening, but you can check your uh, information for that. Uh, women's gathering is on December 7th, so you can bring your pajamas on December 7th to the women's gathering and or to our offices on November 30th. So again, all this information is on our website. Please feel free to go to that uh, and check out more information as to how you can participate in this really fun event, this pajama drive. We're going to get to continue in our time of worship by giving uh, the Lord of our tithes and offerings. And much like we do with song, we do, do so with a glad heart and a cheerful heart because the Lord has blessed us tremendously. And so Acts 20, 35 says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we truly feel that way. We truly feel like this is an opportunity for us to worship the Lord through our giving. If you are new or if you are visiting with us today, feel no obligation. If you choose to give, just want to say thank you for doing that. To our CA family who regularly gives, thank you so much for your ongoing generosity. Would you join me in prayer? And as we pray, we're going to pray for our middle school students, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade students who are actually currently right now on retreat. And so even as we're meeting here tonight, they're probably meeting up in the mountains. And so we're going to pray that the Lord is with them as they meet as well. So would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you. Thank you for this time that we've gotten to worship you through song, through music, through our voices, through the ways that we express ourselves. And now we get to worship you by giving of our tithes and offerings, Lord. We just pray that you would bless those that are able to give. We pray that you would meet every financial need, Father God. If someone needs a job, Father, would you meet that need, Lord Jesus? Be with them, Lord. And we do bless and think about our 6th, 7th, and 8th grade students and their pastors and their leaders, Lord. Would you be with them even right now, Lord? Would your Holy Spirit follow them as they worship you, as they hear teachings, as they pray, Lord, as they are meeting with you on the mountain, would you be with them as well, Lord? Change their hearts, transform their lives. We pray for salvations and for miracles and for healings to occur at that retreat. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Lord, for all that you do, and we bless the rest of the service. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Ushers, you may now come, and while they do, would you please turn your attentions to the side screens? This is a story about how a dress has changed my life and tens of thousands of lives around the world. Human trafficking is absolutely happening in every country of the world. We're doing something that's a little bit silly to really fight something that's anything but silly. We couldn't believe everything people were doing in a dress. 
we were changing lives with a simple change of clothes. I'm seeing my idea outgrow me to the point that I am running to keep up with it, that I can't dream big enough and I'm inviting others to dream bigger with me. None of us choose where we're born, but we can choose what we do with our life. This is something we can absolutely solve in our lifetime. My name is Blythe Hill, and I'm the CEO and founder of Dressember Foundation. Well, we have uh, sung tonight that our God reigns, that his kingdom reigns, and yet we live in a, in a broken world, in a dark world, a world where uh, human trafficking is a reality. And, uh, and in that world, in a dark world, there are, there are those who have received the light of Christ. In fact, um, just listen real quick to these words in Colossians. It tells us that the Father has qualified us to participate in the light. And he's delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son who he loves. We have a kingdom we represent a kingdom of a God of light. And, uh, and I'm so grateful to be part of a local church that has stated that one of our core values is the kingdom of God and making that, that kingdom known in a dark world. Um, if uh, any of you are visiting, my name is Matt. Glad to be with you and want to welcome you online as well as I just give you a quick kingdom update. Uh, highlighting one of our kingdom partners, uh, Blythe Hill, and her organization, Dress Simber. Several years ago, this young woman who was part of our church heard about the reality of human trafficking and just decided, I can't not do something. And so she started Dress Simber, and Blythe is here with us today uh, to talk with us. Blythe, would you, would you come and join us? And uh, church, would you just welcome Blythe? We're so grateful that you're here with us this weekend. And Blythe, 10 years, can't believe it, but you're beginning your 10th campaign of Dress Simber. Uh, and I understand that uh, one of the new developments in Dress Simber is a scholarship program. A couple of years you've been doing that. Would you just greet the church and then tell us yeah. a little about that? Hi, everyone. That. Um, yeah, we're celebrating our 10th campaign season, which is incredible. And um, yeah. yeah. We have been able to raise over $16 million over the last 10 years, primarily through this winter campaign, um, which just speaks to the incredible power of people coming together and engaging in um, a very small, deceptively small, but a fun, easy way. Uh, we're really making a huge impact and impacting tens of thousands of people across the US and across the world. And so yeah, we're two years into uh, our first internal program. So if you followed us for any length of time, you know Dress Ember is primarily a grant-making organization. We, we partner with and resource organizations doing on-the-ground work across the U.S. and across the world. But we saw this need um, for a number of years now where, um, well, a connection between freedom and financial stability. And what so many people lack is an opportunity towards financial stability through economic opportunity, through um, vocational opportunity. And so Dressember has launched a survivor scholarship fund that provides unrestricted funding for survivors to pursue any academic or vocational goal that they might have. So whether it's a four-year university, grad school, cosmetology school, a real estate license, just anything, we have um, survivors applying and receiving funding uh, over the last two years for that. And I'm just really excited because in this, the more I'm in this work, the more I see economic stability, financial stability as prevention and also as aftercare and preventing re-exploitation. 
Um, so it's become a fundamental strategy in the work that we do. Yeah, and it's it's so inspiring to to know the story as well, Blythe. That uh, you your passion for uh, fashion, but your also your passion for Jesus and His kingdom coming together, and then the joining of those two. That something like Dressember, and then these scholarships that are helping women get financially stable. It's amazing. So those of us that participate in Dressember uh, participate to help make that possible. Exactly. <laughs> and tell us also uh, a couple of other new resources with Dressember, uh, ways that we can be connected. Yeah, one thing that we've just rolled out kind of in celebration of the 10th campaign season is our first podcast series. We just launched the beginning of this month a series of 10 interviews with survivors of human trafficking and commercial sexual exploitation. Um, we have a number of survivors in our network and it's just become increasingly apparent that there's um, what society and the media presents as human trafficking and probably unfortunately what a lot of us think is human trafficking because of the sensationalism around it. And then there's these narratives that we are actually hearing from directly from survivors, which kind of counter the like kidnapping narrative. It's most survivors are trafficked by someone they know, sometimes often a family member. And so this podcast series, it's just, like I said, a series of 10 conversations directly with survivors. And these are really powerful conversations. A lot of them have kind of content warnings around um, familial abuse and um, you know, they're maybe 13 plus, or if you have a 13 year old, I would listen to it with them so you can talk with them about it. But they're really powerful, really important conversations and it's just meant to continue to educate our community on what this issue really looks like and give people a language around human trafficking so that it's easier to then invite people to be part of the impact through fundraising. And on November 30th, here in LA, there will be a live event to celebrate what Dress Simber has accomplished, but also to learn more about how people can specifically be involved with Dress Simber. Is that right? Yeah, we're, ha we're having an event again for the first time in, I think, three years. So if you attended any of our past events, they were, I mean, our 2019 event was a prom. So it was like a formal event, a big party. This is gonna be a lot more casual, but it's, um, it's like a cheers to 10 years tour. And it's just meant to gather our community and get everyone excited about this campaign season and um, show our documentary that we produced in the last year, a 17 minute film and Great. yeah, just have community Great. together. Great, so I don't get, need to get my tux out for that. I mean, but. you could, <laughs> that's up to you. Maybe just so, a tuxedo t-shirt. So once a year, we just like to highlight Dress Simber and Blythe so that you know about this and can be a part of it. Um, you can find out some more information on Dress Simber's website as well, but would you pray with me uh, for Blythe and for this effort? Lord, we thank you, God, that in a dark world, Lord, your kingdom, your kingdom comes and finds and rescues us, Lord, and sets us on fire with new life with a message of love, that we might be light in this dark world. God, we thank you for your kingdom of light. And God, I pray that you would empower us, empower Blythe, empower her team, uh, all who, who participate in this effort, Lord. Would you empower us, God, to be part of your changing work in this world. We trust you for that. In Jesus' name, and together we say amen. amen. Thank you so Thanks, much, Matt. Blythe, for being with us. <clears throat> and let me just give you two other quick announcements. One is on November 27th, there's going to be a human trafficking awareness event held here at CA uh, that you can participate or you can attend. You can register for that online and just learn more about this issue. Uh, also, we're going to be taking a, a team down to uh, Tijuana for a Christmas outreach with our kingdom partners down there uh, in La Roca Ministry. 
Ministries uh, in Tijuana. So if you'd like to, you could participate in that trip down to Mexico, and there's information in your bulletin as well. Well, as we do once a month, uh, we give together to our kingdom offering, an offering that goes uh, to support the efforts beyond this church all around the world, and the ushers are ready to come and receive that kingdom offering. So God bless you as we give together. Well, gang, it is great to be with you. If you're a visitor or guest, my name is Tom, and what an honor and a privilege to have you here with us. Of course, those of you online, let me add my welcome that you've already received, and Blythe, I just want to add my encouragement. Uh, What a joy it's been to walk with you. I remember conversations where uh, early on you were talking about some of this, and I remember you said to me one time, I don't know if you remember this, but you said to me one time, um, I don't want to have to preach or anything, but like how might God use me? And so I think it's funny when you're up here kind of like preaching and sharing all that God is doing, but it's amazing to see God at work through your life and Uh, Just love you, love Jordan and uh, Bear and the little one who is on the way. Thank you for all of your work. And um, I can only imagine how hard it is to be exposed to the amount of vicarious trauma that you're exposed through as you know these stories. And so we'll continue to be praying for you. Uh, Also, gang, before we jump into our teaching time, uh, I think everybody probably knows an election is coming up. I want to encourage you to vote. I want to encourage you to study the issues. Uh, Jesus says that we're to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. So just because a proposition says it's going to end all of homelessness as it expands gambling, that doesn't mean it'll end all of homelessness, right? I think we can all be wise enough to know that if we expand gambling across our state, that addiction will lead to more homelessness than the few pennies that they will give you out of the hundreds of millions of dollars that they generate. So we want to be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. We want to be voting according to God's word, study the candidates, um, pay attention to the propositions. You might feel like, ah, we're not voting for president, so why should I? Well, the propositions really matter. In fact, our local elections, you know, we're in a season where there's rampant corruption in our city government on a local level and the county government as well. This is not news to you. If you've been following any of this, our city council can barely hold city council meetings because of the number that are under bribery scandals or other challenges that are there. So point being, I think we all know this. If you live in Los Angeles, pray, and we're going to pay attention. We're going to study God's word and vote uh, according to God's word. Well, we are in a series on the power of prayer, and each week we're opening with a little prayer video from somebody within the life of our church Just we're asking them, hey, tell us a little bit about your prayer life so that the idea here is that you might pick up maybe a tip, an idea, a thought that might strengthen and encourage you in your own prayer life. Would you take a look at the side screens? So what I find um, in having a successful prayer life is, you know, first of all, just the commitment. And a lot of times we figure like we're too busy, uh, the hustle and bustle of life. You know, we got to get up, take the kids to school need to walk my dog, need to have my coffee, or if you're single, all of that without the kids. Um, But we do those things because we believe we have to. So for me, I put my prayer in that same basket, right? Which is not, I'm busy. If I have a few minutes, I'll say a prayer um, or maybe wait till later. It's like, I absolutely have to start my day with that prayer. I do prayer and devotion, so it's a little bit longer, but I have to start with that prayer. And that sets me up and puts me in a good place, close to the Holy Spirit, and to start my day. And then I tell myself, you know, there's nothing I can't handle today without the Lord's presence. And prayer sets that up. Secondly, that is the issue also for the time element, where people think, I notice, you know, I don't have the time. I need 30 minutes or an extra 45 minutes. You don't, right? Length of prayer does not equal the power of the prayer. Right? You can be have a five to ten minute prayer in the morning as long as you're very honest, specific with the Lord, detailed. He hears you, right? So whether it's five, ten minutes or 45 minutes is fine. So a lot of people get intimidated by the time factor that they need to take up so much time. Not at all. And that's really helped me because you'd be surprised when you just cut out five minutes, all of a sudden you realize those prayers get a little longer, a little longer without the pressure. So that is key for me. Um, because, you know, a five, ten minute prayer is just as powerful as an 
our prayer if you are sincere, truthful, and really, really connecting with the Spirit. And lastly, along those lines, you know, God is not a far out entity way away from us. He is present. He is here with us. And so I always engage the Lord as though He's right in the room with me, right near me, right? And I even say, you know, Lord, may your spirit be, spirit be in me and my spirit be in you. And then you have an, uh, I feel like I'm in a relationship with my father. He's my heavenly father, but with my father, right? Where I am conversating with him. And it just brings a whole comfort level and relaxation level when you put him right next to you in the room, knowing that he's close and will be close with you for that entire day, week, month, and year. Those are kind of what I practice and, and what makes me feel uh, close to God in my prayer life. Isn't that great? It's amazing. Yeah, love it. Love it. It's been so fun. Thank you for those of you who participated and, and are sharing a window in your prayer life to strengthen us as a church family. Well, Denzel Washington, the uh, famous actor, told the, once told the following story. He said, quote, when I was young and started really making it as an actor, I came and talked to my mother and said, Mom, did you think all this was going to happen? that I'd be so big and be able to take care of everybody, and I can do this, and I can do that. And Mama Washington reprimanded her son and said, stop it right there, stop it right there. If you only knew how many people, how many prayer groups have been praying for you, but you think, oh, I did it all by myself. <laughs> what about the prayers to God to help you? You took care of everything all by yourself, huh? I'll tell you what you can take care of by yourself. Go outside, get a mop and bucket, and clean these windows. You can do that all by yourself, Mr. Superstar. <laughs> Don't you love the power of a mom giving some, like, direct truth, right, to, to her son? And, uh, but, you know, there's an old saying that says, Christ sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. And so we're going to consider that. But before we do, let's pray. So God, we come to you and we don't want to come to you full of ourselves. And so we ask God that you would give us a spirit of, of humility. At its very core, that's what prayer is, that we're not enough. And yet you love us. And you make your presence, your word, your power available to us. Lord, we do pray for the upcoming elections. We pray both on the national level, local level, the propositions, as well as the mayoral race and all the other um, congressional races that are happening. God, we ask that you would give us wise and godly leaders. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive us for the tendency for elections to make us hate the others who vote different than us. Lord, we pray you would help us in that. We pray against this great tragedy of human trafficking. We know that we wrestle not just against flesh and blood, but sp uh, spiritual principalities of darkness. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of the students on retreat. Pour your word and spirit out on them as us, as well as we come to your word. Strengthen not only our prayer life, but through our prayer life as we get to know you, we ask that you would strengthen every area of our life. That we would honor you and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. On your way in, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you did, you can flip it open to this little center section. You'll see the teaching notes that are there, as well as the scriptures that we'll be digging into throughout our time together as we go. Those of you online can uh, grab those notes from our website at cachurch.com. The notes will come up, the scriptures will come up as well. Well, this weekend I want to talk with us about one of the core ingredients of prayer, which is the power of humility in prayer. Now, anytime you talk about humility, it's a little bit tricky to talk about humility. Tim Keller once said it this way. He said, humility is so shy, if you begin talking about it, it leaves. So we want to be wise about how we talk about it. But maybe, maybe that's why Jesus used this word secrecy, which I think has a lot of parallels to humility. Jesus' teaching on prayer says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, says, beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
few weeks ago, we were in a, uh, our monthly all-staff meeting where all the staff team of Christian Assembly gathered together, and, and we pray for you all and uh, pray that God would be at work in your life and that you would see it and trust Him and that joy would mark you. And, and in that meeting, Mark Pickerel uh, asked this question. He said, have you ever been called upon to pray in public on some occasion And you thought to yourself inwardly, watch this, I'm about to pray a humdinger of a prayer, right? (laughs) Right, Thanksgiving's coming up. Maybe, uh, you know, somebody says, hey, would you you say the the blessing before the meal? And you're like, everybody stand back because this is going to be the best prayer you've ever heard. (laughs) Now, Jesus' point here is not that we should never pray in public. That's not his point. His point is about our heart's motivation. Who is your audience when you pray? Are you praying, quote, as he says, in order to be seen by them? If so, then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Why would you have no reward from your Father in heaven? Well, because you've already got the reward that you're going for. The reward you're going for is to be seen by other people, and they've already seen you. So that's the reward, right? But in fact, Jesus says, go into the secret place, And there's something about secrecy in prayer that breaks our pride and I would contend purifies our motives. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus says, And whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues or at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. You see there again the motivation, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. Whenever you pray, go into the room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That word hypocrite, it means play-acting or pretending. Which brings us to the first thing, first point I want to draw out for our time, which is this, is that a fruitful life in public is rooted in a secret life in prayer. Now, notice I didn't say a successful life, I said a fruitful life, and there's a difference. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that God is interested in making us unsuccessful, right? That's, that's not God's heart towards us. But sometimes the way that we think about success is based on the world's standards, not on God's standards of fruitfulness, so the disciples, they, they saw fruit growing from Jesus' life. They, they saw the goodness, the rightness, the trueness, the compassion, the generosity, the grace, the love even for his enemies. They saw all of that happening. And they also noticed that he had a regular habit of slipping away to an isolated place to pray. Sometimes even when crowds of people were looking for him after he healed someone, he was slipping away from the crowds to go away and to pray. And they connected the dots between the two. They connected the dots of his habit of withdrawing to a secret place to pray to the Father with the fruitfulness that they were witnessing coming out of his character and out of his life. Sometimes we can think, if you're a Christian, that you have a prayer life and then you have your life life. And that the two are distinct. We, we compartmentalize the two. But here's the reality. What starts in secret doesn't stay in secret. Why? Because your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, does this can kind of, sometimes you, you think about this, you hear about it, and you can think, oh, those are nice thoughts. They're, they're kind of poetic sentimentality. But it's not just that. Consider this. The year is 1940. World War II is raging. The British forces are surrounded on the coast of France by the German Nazi troops. The Allied troops in northern France were at risk of total annihilation. And if that had happened, World War II would have been a very different uh, conclusion. So it's May 27, 1940. Great Britain has King George VI, and he calls for a national day of prayer. And after that national day of prayer, three extraordinary events occurred following that day of prayer. The first is that Hitler overruled his generals and halted the advance of his troops, something that historians have never been able to fully explain to why Hitler did that. 
The second thing, a storm of unprecedented scale grounded the vaunted German air force that was poised to attack the evacuating Allied troops. The third thing is that despite the storm that kept the German aircraft out of the skies, a serene calm settled over the English Channel, which enabled a vast armada of boats to come and to rescue the escaping men. Now, a skeptic might say, well, Tom, that was just a lucky set of coincidences. To which I would reply, as William Temple once replied, and he said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, they don't happen. (laughs) The second thing we see is this. The fruit from prayer is born from the Father's love, not your mood. Secret prayer is never fruitless because Jesus says that the Father will reward you. Now, that does not mean you will always get whatever you ask for when you come to a place of of prayer. Too often our prayers might be uh, self-centered or they obviously oftentimes have limited understanding of all that's going on, right? And so we want to make our prayers God-centered for His glory. But it does mean that secret prayer is never futile because the Father sees you and he will reward you. After the teaching, uh, the disciples to pray in secret to the Father, Jesus goes on and says this in verse 7. He says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now, you might not be a pagan, But have you ever prayed where you think you're going to be heard if you just keep going on and on and on? It says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. It's critical to see here that the fruitfulness born of secret prayer is not dependent upon your emotion, your mood, how intense you are, or how many words you use. It is born of the Father heart of God. The Father waits for you. He waits for me in the secret place. He waits for us, and He knows our needs before we even ask them. And when we come, it is not our eloquence that moves the heart of God, but it is our intentional decision to come before Him humbly with our needs. The humble faith is what moves the heart of God. Now, don't get me wrong. We can bring all of our emotions and all of our feelings to God in prayer. Now, did everybody hear me on that? Whether you're online or in person, you can bring all of your emotions and all of your moods to God in prayer. It's important that you hear me on that before I say this next part so that you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. So we, bring, we can bring all of our emotions and all of our moods to God in prayer and also... We don't have to work up emotion or work up intensity for prayer to be effective. In fact, I would contend that the belief that somehow you have to be really intense or super emotional for God the Father to hear you is actually a mark of paganism rather than the biblical teaching on prayer. Case in point, in the Old Testament, when Elijah encountered the prophets of the false god Baal, it was the prophets of the false god Baal who worked themselves up for long periods of time in their prayers. Their many words didn't result in anything because Baal is a false god. He's not real. Elijah, if you know the story, he prayed two sentences After they jumped and shouted and screamed all day, he prayed two sentences and fire fell from heaven on the altar to prove who the real God was. Now, there's both a practical and theological problem with this idea that you have to be super intense for God the Father to hear or respond to your prayers. The practical problem is this. If you only pray whenever you're super amped, when you're, you're a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10 of intensity, you won't pray very often because you are not designed to do your entire life on a scale of 1 to 10, a 10 of intensity all the time. 
So if you think, well, I can only pray whenever I'm in, you know, kind of this intense moment, or it's got to be like super hyped up moment, you won't pray very often. That's the practical problem. The theological problem is this. It results in a deformed understanding of the heart of the Father. I have three kids. Imagine if I said to them, Kids, listen, I will only listen to you if you come to me with great emotion and great intensity. (laughs) That would be kind of strange, right? That would be kind of weird. On the other hand, I may imagine if I said to them, kids, listen, I will only listen to you if you come to me in a calm, cool, collected state. So don't ever bring your emotions with you when you come in to talk to me. That would also be kind of strange, right? Both of those are a deformed understanding of the heart of the Father. Secret prayer cannot be fruitless because of the Father's love and the Father's power, not because of our emotions. We neither have to work up our emotions to come to the Father in prayer, neither do we have to suppress or repress our emotions to come to the Father in prayer. We come as we are, trusting in his goodness, not trusting so much in our current mood or our current emotion. If you get this, if you grasp onto this, it will empower your prayer life because you no longer will feel shackled to really your emotions being the Lord of your life. You'll understand that Jesus says, you can come to the secret place and speak to the Father and his heart And his power is based on his love for you. Not the eloquence of your words. Not on how long you've even prayed. Not on your emotions, whether they're high that day or low that day. But based on the Father's heart for you. The fruit of secret prayer is written all throughout the history books of humanity. As St. John Chrysostom said, he observed this. He said, quote, The potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions. It has extinguished wars. It has appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death. It has expanded the gates of heaven. It has assuaged diseases, and it has rescued cities from destruction. Prayer. Simple prayer. Humble prayer. In the secret place to the heart of God the Father who loves us. Has done, can do, and will do all of those things. The third thing we see is this. We must lay before the Father what is in us, not what should be in us. Jesus warns us about being stage actors, hypocrites, before others. But the reality is... If you're anything like me, maybe sometimes when you come to pray, you can be tempted to be a stage actor even before God in a secret place by yourself where it's just you and God. And you, you now are like, well, now I'm stage acting for God. But the Father already knows the condition of our heart. He already knows whether we're doing well or we're not doing well. Jesus knows that true humility is an essential ingredient in the power of prayer. Listen to the parable that is recorded in Luke chapter 18. Jesus is speaking in verse 9. He says, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness, and they scorned or looked down on everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, the cheaters, the sinners, the adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. If you want to grow in prayer, you must grow in humility. 
I would contend that humility is a source of great freedom if you rightly understand it. Humility is not insecurity. There's a difference and a distinction between the two. You can be humble and be secure, just like you can be arrogant and be insecure. We probably all have met somebody, right, who they have been arrogant, and yet you can also see their insecurity. Oftentimes their arrogance is an overcompensation for their insecurity. So we we can't conflate this idea of like, okay, well, if I'm humble, that means I need to walk around being insecure all the time. No, actually, if you're humble, you can be completely secure in the Father's love for you. Prayer by its very nature is the recognition that you are not self-sufficient. I am not self-sufficient. That you are utterly dependent upon the Father for everything in life, even our next breath. That you can come to God as you are because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection. I often will talk about three versions of our story. I talk about the honest version, which is a true version, but it's not a complete version. Then the more honest version, that's the one that's a little bit truer, a little bit more complete. And then the most honest version, that's the one that's complete, where you're, you're hiding nothing. It's fully true. You're, you're sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. We can bring the most honest version of ourselves to God in prayer. He already knows it anyways. We can bring the most honest good about ourselves. We can bring the most honest bad about ourselves, what we need to confess or repent or ask for forgiveness for. We can bring the most honest ugly about ourselves, the messy, the confusing, the disappointing parts of our life, even the messy, confusing, disappointing parts of our prayer life. In fact, not next week, but the following one, We're going to be talking about how to overcome some of those common obstacles that we can all face in prayer, including like, hey, why wasn't that prayer answered? Or I fall asleep when I pray. All all the things that can happen, right? I mean, you can literally pray to the Father. Father, uh, I, I prayed this years ago. Father, I fall asleep a lot when I pray. And I wish that didn't happen. Could you help me not have that happen? And I ended up uh, deciding from like talking a couple people, hey, how do, you, how do you grow in prayer? And the one person said to me, um, well, I used to fall asleep too when I prayed. I'd pray at the end of the day. I was always tired. I'd fall asleep. And he said, uh, and then I started walking when I prayed. So now I, I walk and pray. And what I've discovered is it's really hard for me to fall asleep while I'm walking. <laughs> so I walk and I pray at the same time. And he said, it, it cured my, my tendency to fall asleep in prayer because I was walking. And so oftentimes, not every single time I pray, but a lot of times when I pray, I'm going on a walk, right? Because now I don't have to worry about like, am I going to fall asleep? No, because I'm walking. And I've not once in my entire life fallen asleep walking. So I'm doing well on that one at least, right? God knows our heart and we can bring all of it to him. And when we do that, our life receives a new power a new perspective. It receives a new fruit as the Father does His work in us, for us, through us, and around us. The art critic Robert Cumming was intently studying a masterpiece from the Italian Renaissance uh, painter and master Filippino Lippi that hung in London's National Gallery. Now, as he kind of critically assessed this 15th century painting of Mary holding the infant Jesus with St. Dominic and St. Jerome standing near, Cummings was troubled by the image that he saw. There was no doubt that this renowned painter had uh, exhibited, you know, incredible skill and use of color and composition, and yet the problem with the painting was that the perspective and the the proportions of the picture seemed all wrong. In fact, the hills in the background, they seemed exaggerated. They almost appeared to be like falling out of the painting. The two saints kind of looked awkward and uncomfortable. The perspective was all wrong. Now, Cummings was not the first art critic 
to criticize at length Lippi's work for its poor perspective. But he probably will be the last one. And here's why. At that moment, while he's standing there looking at this art piece in the London gallery, he had a revelation. It occurred to him that this art piece was never intended to be hung in a gallery. Lippi's painting has been commissioned originally to hang in a place of prayer. So very self-consciously, this renowned art critic, the proud art critic, dropped to his knees in front of the painting. And immediately he could see what generations of art critics had missed. He found himself now gazing up at a perfectly proportioned piece. The foreground had moved naturally to the background. He had joined the saints in the worship of Jesus, and the painting itself had turned from awkwardness to grace. All this time, it was not the perspective of the painting that had been wrong, but rather the perspective of the people who had been looking at it. On bended knee, the humble Robert Cummings could see what the proud Robert Cummings only moments before could not see. Humility has the power to change our prayers. And humble prayers have the power to change our perspective, to see the Father as never before. To see ourselves as we really are, completely dependent upon His power and His love for us. And if you know the Father, and then you know that being completely dependent upon His power and love is the very best place, the most secure place you could possibly be. Let's pray. First Peter chapter 5 says, God opposes the proud but shows grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your worries on him because he cares for you. Let's begin with thanks in this time of prayer. What do you want to thank God for? might be a, a person, it might be an experience you've had recently, it might be as simple as thanking God for your, your next breath, your next heartbeat that you can't self-generate on your own. It might be for this community of believers, maybe you're spiritually unconvinced and, and your prayer just needs to be, God, I don't even know if you're real, but if you are, I want to thank you that there's a community where I can come and hear about your word and what Jesus teaches. What do you want to say thank you for? What do you want to confess to God? Is there anything you need to humbly confess, to turn away from, to ask forgiveness for? As 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins to God. He is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God already knows. He sees in the secret. And even in this moment between you and God, what would you want to confess to him? Maybe for you it's a request that you need to make. I love that line, one of my favorite verses, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Not some of it, all of it. And we can do this confident that he cares for us. He cares for you, church. Maybe you're spiritually unconvinced. God cares for you. Even if you're spiritually unconvinced, he cares for you. You can come to know Him. What anxiety do you need to cast on Him because He cares for you? Or who else might God lay on your heart even in this moment right now for you to pray for? 
what requests do you want to make on their behalf before God? Maybe a set of circumstances they're facing. Maybe, maybe they're struggling in some fashion. Maybe it's somebody that you know who, who doesn't know the Lord. And the request is simply, Father, would you lead them to you in a real and genuine and authentic life-giving relationship with you? Last several weeks, we've been in John 17. We've been learning how to pray as Jesus prayed out of John 17. So, Father, now we pray that the followers of Jesus would be one. One with you, Jesus, and with the Father, and with one another. Would you make, would you make that true of us, we ask? That's a bold prayer for us to pray, God, and we can only pray it because you, you prayed it. Because you love us that much, you want us to have that much unity. We pray, God, for the sanctification of the church. The sanctification of each one who wants to be one of your followers. That the image of God would be strengthened, renewed in each one of us as we align ourselves with your word. We're sanctified in the truth of your word. Lord, we pray that we would be protected from evil and from the evil one. As you prayed that for us, so we pray that now for one another. We join you in that prayer. We pray, Christ, that your joy would be complete in us. As you prayed that, Jesus, we join you asking the Father that you would mark us with the joy that Christ had. Father, that we would be sent by Christ and that we would bear fruit in our life for you. The fruit of our character, maturing, taking more onto us the image of who you are, the fruit of others coming to know you, the fruit of our good work as we forgive others, turn the other cheek as we're willing to go the extra mile. And Lord, we do pray for the upcoming elections. We pray for our city. We pray for our county. We pray for our nation. Father, give us godly leaders, wise leaders, humble leaders that serve well. Save us from the corruption that is endemic in our city that leads to humanitarian crises in our city. Save us from the corruption in ourselves that makes us want to be self-centered, that makes us insecure, that makes us greedy. Father, give us the grace to be humble. Give us the humble perspective that heals and secures and saves and redeems as we rightly see that our ultimate hope and salvation is only available in your Son, Jesus Christ. And now, whether you're online or whether you're here in person, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to do that now. It will be the best decision that you can ever make. You were created for a relationship with God. There's only one name under heaven by which you can be saved, which is Jesus Christ. Your sin has broken your fellowship with God that he created you for. You were created in the image of God. I was created in the image of God. And my sin broke my fellowship. Your sin broke your fellowship. Sin has broken our fellowship with God. And yet that's not the end of the story. Christ came, born of a virgin. He taught us how to rightly understand the heart of the Father. And he didn't just do it by word. He did it by deed and action, including going to the cross, as Colossians says, so that the record of our sin can be nailed to the cross, so that we can be forgiven and reconciled. We can be justified. As Jesus taught in that parable, if the prayer that you're saying is, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and Jesus said, that man went home justified with the Father. Maybe that's your prayer for the very first time. Oh God, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. And if you're saying yes to Jesus, for the very first time, I want to welcome you to the family of God. You're adopted into his family. He's going to create you anew because of that decision. 
Would you let me or one of the other pastors know? If you're here in person, we have new believers, New Testaments. We'd love to get into your hand. Your very next step is for you to be baptized. If you're online and you let us know, we'll ship you one. A new believer's New Testament is a gift from our congregation to you so that you can grow in your faith. And so, God, now we pray. Would you mark us with a spirit of humility, reminding us that we can cast all our anxiety upon you because you care for us. Save us from the traps of play acting. Save us from the trap of believing we have to hype ourselves up or calm ourselves down. We can come to you as our Father because of how much you love us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.